a good music community doesn't just view itself as a stepping stone or look down on itself either. I think it views itself as special and amazing in its own right. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Welcome to Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have James Caravitas. James performs under the name Apollo K. So, James, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to get started. Today, we're going to be listening to your song, When September Comes, which is currently unreleased. So, thank you for letting the pod have an exclusive to this. So, without further ado, let's listen to the song. Let's do it. Sick, so cop a break. Sick. 
sit on the couch, bless Lupe, K. Andre. Whatever compares to me, I know it's not fair to me, but I think it is fair to say this rabbit is my food, like a joy and pain and trap that takes all in one place. But wisdom was bad today, so watch what you say to me by failing to share my brain. Show my day was fun, making no dollars, bury it and rewind the bars. So they don't bother carrying some refining bars. It's not for nothing, but if we got something, we'll hit the ground running. Show my day was for fun, making no dollars, bury it and rewind the bars. So they don't bother carrying some refining bars. It's not for nothing, but if we got something, we'll hit the ground running. I'm not done. Let's not pretend it only just started when I went to college or got a job or something. Now it's been the whole time. Yeah. Don't even mention detention sentence for missing work Or putting kids in the box because they're passing notes Too many people said you're just a bad listener Didn't consider that maybe he wasn't diagnosed Any wonder he found comfort rhyming notes in his phone As curmudgeons we begrudgingly atone for our loans Yeah your passion may be lacking but at least you're set What well, like those private school preachers grooming students for sex? Fuck that! Obligation doesn't buy an adult We need to free the generations from the lies they were told Viewing lyrics won't relieve the trees of fires alone But I'm hoping we can cope with the impassionate Drones, who tell you give it up, you did enough Your shit is whack, your lens is up, is it a cup So pick some cups and take you to jail They will fail while we're in this room, we'll rap to the end Whether sold out seats or just close friends Let's set it, yeah! Welcome back. My first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the music or was it the lyrics? So for this track, it was kind of complicated because the music definitely came first. The beat was something I made actually this last September, and it was heavily inspired by me starting my first teaching job. I'm a music teacher, and I teach elementary school. And the reason I have a hard time pinning that down exactly is because the music came first, but it was born out of topics and lyrics that I knew I wanted to discuss and I knew I really wanted to hit on. So it was kind of like the topic came first and I was just trying to find the right sonics to express it over. Let's just dive in. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that you, you began teaching. How long ago was that? My first teaching job after I graduated began late last August. So right at the beginning of fall 2022. Before that, I did have some student teaching to do as part of my college. So I had taught before in a classroom okay. setting, but that was the first time I was just going all in just my own practice, basically. I want to just jump into some of the lyrics. I sort of have an agenda with this one because I'm curious, was it the verses that you wrote first or was it the hook? Yeah, that's a great question. So it was actually the verses first that first verse was the first kind of lyrical idea that I penned. And I think that it really came out of me just being 
really exhausted and tired of feeling like I was always just like running in every mm. aspect of my life at the time and not being able to keep up. Once I got the beat, I just started rapping over it and figuring stuff out and it just sort of came out. Usually when I analyze the lyrics and I look over like general themes that seem to pop up right or wrongly, I try to think of it as like a story. What is the theme of each of the verses? And then what is the hook that is being repeated? Mm -hmm. What message is that trying to portray? And one of the things that I noticed about this song, and we can dive in specifically into some of the lyrics too, but I feel like the first verse hits me as this sense of expectations, those expectations that are put upon us, whether it's musically or just our career path or even our just day to day. Yeah. And facing against those disappointments as to whether those expectations met with our own perception of ourselves. But the second verse is put in there and it hits me as like you reassuring yourself that you're on the right path and that what your plans are, what your new expectations are are correct going forward like you know it's kind of like you're reassuring yourself and then i want to say like the third verse hits me as this like what you stood up against in order to get to where you are and then how that affects the expectations that you had in the first verse and mm -hmm. then also why you need the second verse and then the hook i almost want to say that that's your self-care yeah, where you're coming yeah. back, you're reminding yourself, this is difficult, but it's like, if I look back on the day ones that you're mm -hmm. referring to, yeah. the day ones that I can see where I started and where I've ended up and that I am better off from the journey to get there. So that that's my overall mm -hmm. viewpoint. And you've been kind of agreeing with me. So I'm, I'm feeling like I'm a little bit on target here. So Absolutely. I, I'm curious. So you did the first verse like way in advance. And then when did the second and third verses kind of come in? And then even the hook. The hook came after the first two verses. So I kind of wrote the first verse first and then the second verse kind of came through. The second verse was kind of actually born out of exactly what it talks about. So I was just grinding out this song and also had a lot of stuff going on with my teaching at the time, and it was feeling very overwhelming. So I was writing a bunch of stuff, and it didn't feel like it was really true to me. It felt like I was trying really hard to get words to work, rhymes to work. I kind of let myself take a break and I just sat on the couch and I just played a lot of music that I loved and that's why I referenced that in the second verse, Lupe, Kendrick, and Andre 3000 being the main ones. It was sort of a rejuvenating experience for me because I often want to compare myself to those uh, artists who already have long careers and long stuff going for them. But this time I just kind of wanted to channel that love of music remind myself why i'm doing this take a break from the grind for a second and that's kind of how that second verse came to be and then after that i wrote the hook because the beginning of the first verse starts off with they thought we were fast learning the new world but we're coming in last we're just the new turtles and i kind of wanted to set up that expectation that i was going to be successful being not happening as it mm. says in the first verse but maybe if i persevered despite all of this with the support of my friends and the support of like 
so many people who have enabled me to get to this point. Maybe I actually can do it. Maybe I shouldn't give up so fast. So that's why a lot of the hook talks about not sharing my art out to the world, kind of insular. But if we got something, then we'll hit the ground running. What The sentiment I wanted to get across with that. The third verse is really difficult for me to listen to in some respects because it's just so true. A lot of my teaching has been such a transformative experience with that career because it's allowed me to work with young people and it's really got me thinking about my experience in school and how that's impacted me. And I think that little vocal part in between uh, after the second hook in the third verse where I'm just kind of talking, when I mentioned that it's been there the whole time, it didn't just start in college or just start when I got the job, there's always been a creative impulse for me to want to create stuff, but I've always struggled with these outside forces and within myself to like think that I can do it, think that I'm worth it or can make that happen. And I think the third verse in general was just me letting it all out on those systems and those things that uh, keep us back, that hold us back. You mentioned the third verse. It, mm-hmm. Well, I asked you to mention the third <laughs> verse, right? I think that there are some things that I really appreciate what it's trying to say. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a spot, I felt like I said, oh God, that's me. And not necessarily that people said that I'm just a bad listener. No, I was I was the bad kid. I was the mm-hmm. class clown. I was the one that... <laughs> everyone looked at and I had teachers that didn't necessarily encourage me but really wanted to keep me away from the other students to keep from being the distraction but that line of too many people said you're just a bad listener didn't consider that maybe he wasn't diagnosed any wonder he found comfort rhyming notes in his phone fortunately I was at the time I was diagnosed you know ADD and, uh, you know, that's what they called it back in, back in my day. Um, and so, at least there was some, I want to say, justification for why I perceived the world the way that I did and mm-hmm. the way that I interacted with the world that I did. It feels to me that what you're saying in this, you know, the comfort rhyming notes in his phone, you had found that thing that made you tick, made sense to you. And I was always going to be the late bloomer. So I appreciate that once you find that thing that you can hold on to, it makes sense in the view of the whole world. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. You know, yeah. and, and I feel like that although it was, I mean, if you're speaking specifically from your own perspective, you're looking back on that now as the thing that supported you and helped you get through. But in the end, you realize that that's the thing that you still want to hold on to, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of layers to it, for sure. This is a really special moment for me to share this, and I'm totally okay sharing this with you. I, just last month, was diagnosed with ADHD. So I had a very late diagnosis, and I think that that really colored my interactions in school growing up. And the line about so many people said you're just a bad listener, that was just a repeated thing throughout Mm. my time in school i was just losing everything i lost all my papers all my homework papers are my arch nemesis i cannot like keep track of physical objects in space and just like remember events or anything like that but the thing that was really persistent was this idea of barely getting by like i was like doing everything by the seat of my pants just kind of like fooling everyone it was kind of like imposter syndrome a little bit 
Mm. Uh, I was like fooling everyone to think I had it all together, but it felt so cluttered to me. And what I think that people just didn't consider that maybe I had a different way of thinking and a different way of looking at the world. And that just made me think of all the times in school where teachers and adults punished kids for doing things that were very minor or silly or not really a big deal and just might be them expressing difference rather than expressing, you know, like resistance or anything like that. And it's sort of just overflowed. And that connects into a lot of stuff in the third verse about private school preachers grooming students for sex. I have a lot of unfortunate stories of teachers in the past that have done some pretty awful things. And that that just made me so angry because I I haven't been through that necessarily, but I have seen teachers do that in school. I've seen teachers who act like that in school, and it just it makes me so angry thinking about it. So it all kind of came out. And not only is it just a shitty thing to do, but it's also now you're in that profession mm-hmm. and it's like, I have to do better. Absolutely. You know? I was curious about the line, sooner more than later, picking trash in LaGrange. Where did that line come from, picking up trash? Uh, wait, picking, uh, <laughs> picking trash in LaGrange. Absolutely, yeah. So, I grew up in the suburbs, of the southwest suburbs of Chicago, specifically a little one called Homer Glen around Lockport and Orland Park. And I've been to all those suburbs, including the LaGrange area, the Elmhurst area. I've been all over that. The thing that really stuck out to me is that The first verse really is, uh, I guess, me chronicling or just like documenting my experience coming out of school and me coming from where I did, uh, going to school at U of I here in Champaign-Urbana, and then immediately just kind of upending that and then going back to the suburbs to work and live with my parents as well. It was not a good feeling for me because I felt like... I was looking like a squirrel not used to the change. It made me think of uh, squirrels in um, urban areas or or areas that have a lot of people in them. And there's like, you know, a lot of people around and you're uh, not ready for that human interaction, a a bunch of people everywhere. But then sooner, more than later, the the squirrels get used to it. They start picking up trash. And I I guess it was kind of a, a metaphor for me just getting acclimated to just accepting trash (laughs) Uh, for me especially how insular and isolating the suburbs felt to me at the time also still in the same verse is going back to the idea of it being about expectations is the line of new to do yourself to harm reviews to view summer's over take the cue or you lose when you get to a point in a music career where people are actually reviewing or yeah making comments or you know the the more that you put yourself out there the more likely you are to be reviewed and mm-hmm. so instead of reviews being something that potentially you know celebrate you for getting out there and being exposed they tend to be the thing that that punish you for mm-hmm. being out there and being exposed you're you're in that midway point it feels like mm-hmm. like you're yeah. you you've you've started to develop you've gotten where you want to be in a certain sense and then you're pushing forward to the next step whatever that is whether it's your teaching or that's your 
music career, but it's that weird tipping point, right? Like, do I want to keep going or do I want to go a different direction, I guess is what I was thinking. And I get the sense that you want to continue to pursue your music, but Mm -hmm. I know that that tipping point is uh, like, that never ends, you know? Right. Yeah. There's always going to be that level of self-doubt to some degree. I think that for that, I want to reference the last line of the third verse where I say, whether sold out seats or just close friends, let's send it. I think that a lot of this song and a lot of my emotions going into it was me struggling with my own perception of my work, my own desire to make it, but my struggling to get past all of those factors I bring up in the song and just like resolving at the end of that third verse that whether or not I see any kind of major success. This is still who I am and what I really want to do and what really resonates with me. So despite all of this awful systemic stuff, uh, despite my own self-doubts with trying to do two things at once, teach and make my own music, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it any other way. It's, it's what I love. It's what I, what resonates with me is that deeply. I want to return to the underlying beats that you produce. Did you create the drum beat first or did you create the guitar riff or did you even create the vocal choir kind of multiple voices harmonies? Yeah, absolutely. So making this beat was an interesting process because it kind of was cobbled together uh, at the beginning uh, last September. I started with the guitar lick so that a guitar arpeggio in the beginning was the first thing I played. And it was just me sitting in my room and I was like, man, I, I, I got to play some guitar. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what's drawing me to pick up a guitar and just play some chords, but I wanted to do that. And then after I heard that, I just felt like it needed some background. It needed some like a like a stage to sit on. And that's when I said, I'm just going to go in the booth and just like hum some stuff and just like uh, record some vocals over it. And after I did that and I just made a lot of vocal layers, it started to remind me of a lot of the music that I really love and that I've come to found that I really love. And that was a lot of Midwest emo bands and that like kind of twinkly guitar tone, which is kind of how I ended up producing that guitar in the end. Continuing with that, the vocal layers just reminded me of, again, groups like American Football with that like really kind of luscious, kind of soft thing. And I just thought, I really want to combine this with some hip hop beats. So then after I had those two layers, I added the drums. The way I made the verses is I just took that same vocal loop and I chopped it up a little bit. So I cut some parts out used only one of the layers versus the others. And that kind of gave me the background for the verses. And then I pitched up all of it and combined the two. So that was that really high singing is just me pitched up. And that's funny because, you know, I, I was talking about the third verse being kind of the, your your development or, or mm-hmm. what you stood up against. But I noticed that in that break after the second hook and going into the third verse that the vocals that you're using, the harmonies, are are just the pitched up ones. Yeah. And they sound like children, right? And I yeah. was just like I, yeah. I kept thinking, oh, okay. So it's like you're you're moving moving the sound into a context of it's like it's children. It's children singing. Mm-hmm. Um and I d I don't know. That that was one of 
and I only heard that when we were listening it to it again. Oh, and yeah. I was like, oh, oh, okay. Because, you know, I, I, you start focusing on one thing and right, then you forget. Yeah. But one of the things that I noticed, I always find this fascinating, is the, the way to actually like build or like return to a certain level of energy yeah. is to remove parts so that you, certain other parts are exposed that you didn't necessarily pay attention to before. Mm. And then you drop them back in. But then I noticed that even when you drop them all back in, you feel free to correct me, but either you added more of an effect on the drum beat so that it, like a delay or something, so that the the beats were not doubled, but like like they overlapped yeah. on each other mm-hmm. a little bit, and it just brought this like extra energy into it. And maybe that's not really a question, but I'm curious. It, it sounds like that was what what you did, but I'm just curious about your thought process in terms of the removal and then addition. Of different parts back into the into the piece absolutely so before i kind of dive into why i did what i did i want to shout out uh, lamont holden who is a professor at a uh, u of i and a beat maker he really has inspired me quite a bit not only because of his absolute tenacity and just doing a lot of great things in education at u of i and with the community but also his idea of beat making and keeping variety And that has influenced me quite a bit. So yeah, I always approach arrangement from a perspective of I don't want things to repeat exactly the same way. And that could be a very subtle difference, that one that just kind of colors it a little differently. Or it could be a massive difference that really grabs your ear and like holds it. And there's a couple of both in this song and what the one you're referring to is that that third verse that build up definitely stripped a lot of it back at the beginning of the third verse and the reason i did that was because not only did i want to give the audience a break from just like the really dense arrangement so far but also that part of the song is kind of me just plainly speaking about how it's always been there and this feeling of struggling and just trying to do it anyway has always been there Hmm. so i felt that not only was it a good point in the song for to take a breather but it was appropriate for what i wanted to say i didn't want there to be so much going on that they couldn't hear me say that it didn't just start when I went to college or when I got a job, kind of a realization I had, and I wanted them to hear that. But then building it back up, yeah, adding in a lot more effects. One of those moments that I mentioned of being a massive change is when I made the private school preachers line, I added a heavy doubling effect Mm. and uh, a lot of distortion on the vocals there because I wanted that line and just like the anger that I had out in it just like to just pop. And I felt that that was the right time to start increasing the tension there. And... Then in the last hook, having a bunch of those like delay soaked, reverb soaked, like I I don't know how to describe it in my brain, but what it is, is it's like the vocals, like the vocal layers, but just like ran through a bunch of delays and uh, mm. modulation and they're just swirling and just swirling in the background. And then also having the hi-hat pattern be a lot faster. So up until this point, the hi-hat was just, but then it's like, and it's just like going, 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 going really fast. Huh. And I want, I just wanted to add those little extra things because I felt like at this point in the song, I've just let it all out. It can't mm. go back to the same way the first verse was because this song is really, for me, it's about what I've, like you said, it's where I was and where I've come to now. And it's just not the same. I used to feel a lot more dejected, a lot more unsure 
about my ability, but now we're just going to do it anyway. We're just going to do it. And that's really why I wanted to do it that way. So yeah, I I was just going to talk about what my favorite part of the song Mm -hmm. was, and then I'm going to in turn ask you what your favorite part in the song was. One of the lines that I really, really like, because, well, it it just makes too much sense, right? Mm. Is, and I say that right, as if you know what I'm going to (laughs) say. So the line that I love is, obligation doesn't buy an adult. We need to free the generations from the lies they were told. Spewing lyrics won't relieve the trees from fires alone, but I'm hoping we can cope with the impassionate drones who tell you, give it up, you did enough, your shit is whack, your rent is up, piss in a cup, so pigs will cuff and take you to jail. They will fail. I could go on, but mm-hmm. I, I think you know which one I'm referring to. Yeah. I, I feel like, because of course this part begins just after the school preachers grooming students for sex, fuck that, and I feel like that's your turnabout. Yeah, it was and, awful. Yeah, it was yeah. disgusting, and I was, I think, transitioning from being so inward focused and like worrying about me to just raging (laughs) at everything else that we have to just go through with that that was my favorite part and Mm. i'm I'm just curious what your favorite part of the song is it's hard for me to pick one thing one moment not to say that i think the entire song is just perfect or anything at all but i think the reason it's hard for me to pick a specific favorite thing is that this song is just really me confessing, confessional about like what is go- like what has been going on. And I think for me, my favorite element of the song, hmm. That's just that, that's just, that's just very tricky because I, I I think it is that third verse. I think it is that third verse and really the culmination that you described, that last line definitely is the pinnacle of that. So it's hard for me to disagree with that because that really for me was the most cathartic moment of just letting it all out, not censoring or masking in any way that I had done so many times before. I've seen all of that. I've seen police arrest children in schools. I've seen people talk about other people's music in such a surface level and derogatory way. And that kind of also takes me, sorry, I'm getting a, I'm kind of just, again, ever expanding, but uh, it takes me back to the second verse at the end where I'd said, uh, wisdom was bare today. So uh, watch what you say to me about failing to share my brain. A lot of folks are pouring their heart and their soul into the music they make. And it is really tough when other people's expectations of who you should be work against that. So I think that people who don't do that, the day ones, the good Mm. friends, that's my favorite part of the song is that last send off. Whether sold out seats or just close friends, let's send it. That was the moment. I swear, listeners, that I do not have an agenda, but I really appreciate when people point out so I keep bringing up in in the podcast over and over the the I call it recording reluctance mm. or or folks that want to make music but are afraid to put out even their earliest beginnings when there's something to be learned, there's something to be appreciated, there's something to even be admired about those earlier versions mm-hmm. and I like to see you know, and you know, this is maybe an occupational hazard here for this <laughs> co- podcast, but I like to see where it started to where it is now and that development. So I'm, 
I'm again, people record something, get it out there, share it with people yes. and make it something. The only way that we can tell where we are is where we can tell where we've been. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And so I guess it leads me into my final question, which yeah. is why did you pick this piece to be the one that you talked about today? Yeah. So I picked this one because it really solidified exactly what we were just mentioning, where I was and where I've come to now. And it really puts a lot of my past work in perspective. So I love that you mentioned those early versions of art and just putting something out because this song really addresses, for me, my struggle to do that. It really does come full circle. And one thing I've come to learn about myself is that because of ADHD, at least in part, I really like to just share. I just share a lot of stuff. I just, I'm very open sometimes to the to a fault about kind of what I have done, what I've been through, what I love, what I don't like. And that has been a theme in my music this whole time of just like kind of laying it all bare. But this song was me, I guess, identifying that tendency and putting it plainly, as as plainly as I could, because it's so multifaceted that it's hard for me to describe. But I think that this song just, it colors everything I've released up to this point. It, may, it helped me understand myself. The only other thing I'd like to say about this song is I did not make it by myself. I mean, yeah, I wrote everything by myself. I produced the beat by myself. I mixed and mastered it. But there is no way I could make this song without the people that have supported me so much so far. Shout out to my great and wonderful group of friends, many of whom are musicians themselves. It is always so inspiring to work with all of you and make this possible. Shout out to my family who especially my parents and my sister who i'm sure had no idea that i was going to want to rap and pursue uh hip-hop in particular but then just really have done nothing but support me through all of it this song would not exist none of my songs would exist without them and finally the teachers and educators in my life which while disappointingly few of them the ones that have really made the effort to see me for who i am have really made an incredible impact. Shout out to Dr. Adam Cruz, Professor Lamont Holden, Dr. Donna Gallo, and just too many more to count, but really those folks at U of I. So yeah, that's the last thing I want to say about the song. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Jubilee Cafe. Jubilee Cafe is a free weekly meal program at Community United Church of Christ, 805 South 6th Street in Champaign, Illinois. Jubilee Cafe serves a home-cooked meal from 5 to 6.30 each Monday. Their mission is to feed hungry people by cooking healthy, delicious meals and by serving their guests restaurant-style with servers waiting on tables. Jubilee Cafe is open to anyone who cares to eat with them. Because food insecurity among students is so high, they serve students as well as others in and around the Champaign-Urbana community who struggle with hunger. Meals are free to all and will be served each Monday evening, located in the accessible lower level of the building at 6th and Daniel Streets in Champaign. For more information on the meal or how to volunteer, Go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email them at jubilee.cafe at community 
community-ucc.org. That's jubilee.cafe at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. So, James, hmm. what is your favorite Champaign-Urbana venue, past or present? Oh, my goodness. There's so many great ones that it's hard to pick one. But I think Waluigi's in Urbana is just a great model for the DIY like house show venues. Uh, they really just always handle their shows well and have great atmosphere great crowds shout out to the spice rack that venue has been run by many of my friends and many folks have participated in that show that i really have a lot of respect for and they just put on incredible lineups incredible shows those two are really the ones that i have the most personal experience with but i by no means do not want to include 404 the rose bowl in this uh rose bowl tavern your commitment to Having so much live music is amazing and can't get enough of that, really. Sorry, that was not me choosing one venue, but <laughs> it's no, very I hard mean, for me to. It opens up as, as one venue, but then it, it's fun. I mean, I talk about, talk about them all. <laughs> talk about the ones that you love. Do you have a particular favorite show that you saw in Champaign-Urbana? Mm. Yeah, that's another tricky question, but I think that some of like my favorite performances that I've seen have just been the ones where the audience and the band are just really on the same page and the energy in the room is just absolutely electric and and it can be electric even if it's mellow and chill and there was a particular show at the spice rack that i believe was oh my goodness everything feels so long ago at this point right. <laughs> um I, I think about a year ago from from now there was a spice rack show that just had such a, an amazing lineup of everyone from the mango pods making this very chill very groovy amazing music and then we had just like a slew of absolutely incredible and i don't want to overgeneralize, of course but like post hardcore and rock music at that show and all of those bands came out to play and they really just like blew the house down it was incredible i really can't overstate how much those house shows have really they've made me love that community so much because it's really just a bunch of folks coming together to make some music and they really just want to have a good time and it's really just been a pleasure and i'm really happy as well especially with rose bowl and then with the other venues around that it started to have I, th I think we're starting to get a little bit more connection with the surrounding community of champaign urbana because i love that community equally and there's so many artists and performers in the champaign urbana area that have inspired me greatly i will always admire performers that this the show will always be high energy or, or they'll put everything into it whether they're playing for two people or like a whole stadium yeah you know? i mean like i feel like I, I don't know how how most people perceive or or experience performances or or concerts or whatever you want to call them mm -hmm. but you know when it it seems like a performer is just kind of going through motions or something that's all i want to say muscle memory i okay I find yeah that, yeah i i sometimes find that disappointing and i've seen that where it's like a big 
show and a lot of people and the audience seems to be enjoying it and is giving back but the performers are just kind of like this is our 30th stop on the tour or something like that so i always will admire a performance that is genuine i mean and and even almost i'll go to the extent where i love it when a band even makes mistakes and it's just like screw it we'll do it you know they make it fun right i I, that's so that's so fun and amazing and to your point about like the muscle memory thing it is a lot easier to do that when you're not close to your audience but in the urbana house show scene and the champagne house show scene you're often right up against them you're Mm. you're right there with them and at that point i think i think it's difficult for some folks to not feel that energy you know, right. when you're that close. And I think that that is another thing I really enjoy about those mm. like insular house shows is that you're so close and connected with that audience. And really, I just want to do it more. I really, I want to do, I want to, I love like really close shows, really great atmosphere. I love open mics for the same reason mm. um, because it's just chill, but then you, you know, you get something really surprising and really cool out of it. Here's the tough question of this mm-hmm. section, which is what to you makes a good music community ah yeah there's so many ways we could you know kind of attack that idea uh, or just approach that idea rather a good music community i think is very much not easily defined it really depends on the community it comes from i think that the music community really is one facet of just the community at large and to that end i think that having a lot of folks in the community that are invested in people first and what i mean by that is that everyone i've seen like trying to make it or trying to do anything creative anything that is not sort of a predetermined path set up for them the they again they face a lot of uncertainty a lot of difficult stuff but a lot of the venues i've talked about in champagne urbana they recognize that this community of people has really come together and made something really special together and i think that the togetherness and the willingness to help others the willingness to prop up folks who might not normally think that they can do it that interconnectedness i think is so crucial because it's so easy for us to become wrapped up in other things like money like our own personal success like you know going off to something quote bigger and better a good music community doesn't just view itself as a stepping stone or look down on itself either i think it views itself as special and amazing in its own right because i think each community has something to offer like that and certainly champagne urbana does because i've experienced it directly Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004. Carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages 
for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, James, Mm. Apollo K, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? So, I love, 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 love film. I am so much so much movie <laughs> uh any any uh chance i uh had in a uh, high school we had this like a uh, movie theater in chicago that was kind of a uh, a smaller scale theater called the music box and my uh friends and i would often go there and watch like an indie film or something and i just love the art of filmmaking i think it's so cool and so many uh uh amazing films have been a big part of my life i really enjoy video games as well i know that's the hottest take in the world <laughs> not at all uh but i love video games i am such a big fan of rpgs in particular role-playing games just i i like sitting down and just being immersed in a another place another uh vision and it just really is great something less dense though that i love is i really like lifting weights and i didn't know that actually until i had some help from none other than uh stanchek because i've been friends with him since fifth grade him and i started uh lifting back in freshman year of college and it was just it was it it was just fun It, it was fun it was a good feeling and i really just liked to uh go out there with uh a good friend and then just Make some progress. Why not? I'm going to have to go back to your first mm-hmm. item, which, you know, films. Do, do you have a particular favorite genre? I love horror films, especially Korean horror films. I am such a huge fan <laughs> of those. They, they really have just like caught my attention and made me love that genre. It, it's been really amazing. And, and I don't know why this is a thing, but Netflix has done this thing where they're bringing in so many, you know, Korean sitcoms, so many Korean dramas, Mm -hmm. movies, horror movies. And I think one of the things that I appreciate the most is that the culture has its own, I want to say conventions to how it communicates certain ideas. And I I mean, there's, it's, it's funny because there's always, there's always kind of a comedic, part yeah. that gets added in and i'm like yes. where did I, I like it feels <laughs> like when you first watch it without knowing that is a thing it kind of throws you but i've gotten used to it and i kind mm-hmm. of enjoy i enjoy it because it's like you know to expect it in a certain way and then it's like it's comforting when it happens right some of uh, oh man i mean even some of the series of whatever uh they're all dead or yeah. i can't remember yeah. that, that zombie some of those are just done so well and because of those additional convention i'm sorry i know that this is your answer but i'm just like no this is amazing really, i think something also when it's when you hear it in a different language and then you read it something happens in my brain where i'm just like it kind of tricks it into another level and i don't know huh. what that it like it just because what i'm reading isn't the same as what i'm hearing but also the inflections and the ways that the words have their own 
rhythm and poetry to yeah. that. I want to say like that brings a certain enjoyment and it's like, yeah, I don't, anyway, sorry. I, no, that's, <laughs> just that's when you amazing. brought that up because it's one of those things that I've like, I would never have thought that I would be a huge fan of that, but oh my goodness, it's so, it, it's, it's been, it's been a pleasure to, to explore some of those in Netflix and, and also uh, Shudder is doing a pretty good job of yeah. bringing those mm-hmm. in as well and it's like, and just, other foreign language films that you don't necessarily see in the mainstream. So I, yeah, so sorry. I, <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's so, that's so on point with how I feel because that comedic thing you brought up about uh, Korean horror films is just so influential on me overall. Like not even in terms of just like a career or music, just in terms of like having a, an aesthetic that's varied and that kind of has a give and take because to me that's what day-to-day feels like just in general it's rare that i find myself having a super consistent (laughs) mood or disposition and i kind of often find i have to mask to kind of like Mm -hmm. make it look smooth make it look continuous but in general those like amazing films uh just to name a few uh the host an incredible monster film by the same director as Parasite, another incredible Korean film, Train to Busan, mm-hmm. which is like the first zombie movie I had seen in a while that just had so much raw character emotion. It it felt like it wasn't at all for the shock value of the zombies. There's hardly any gore in the movie. It's just character study. And that was what really drew me in so intensely. And the you know the comedy it gives you a it gives you a, a second to breathe and it also sets up that next horrifying moment even better because you it's you you like like you said you don't expect it you don't like you're not ready for it but also you appreciate that you you're not just like on you know eleven scale horror for ninety minutes <laughs> right any favorite RPGs that you like to play oh yeah um <laughs> uh, members of uh, Stancheck you'll know this but uh, my favorite RPG of all time is Fallout New Vegas and the reason is is that that game combined the old school RPG like isometric top down RPGs which had a lot of really dense and layered choices you could make. It combined that with like first slash third person graphics and combat and stuff. So even though the combat is very dated, the the world and the way you interact with it, I find so satisfying. Mm. I, in middle school, I think I had like over a thousand hours in that game. I'm not joking. It was it was way too much, but I I just it resonated with me so much. And other games that have kind of taken some elements from that have also stuck with me in the same way. I talked with the members of Stanchik about their weightlifting and, yeah. you know, like, I don't really know exactly what to ask <laughs> about that, but, you know. Yeah, no, it's 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 a big part of just kind of how I l- work on something over time and how I improve something over time that just isn't urgent. I, I'm mm. not, like, urgently trying to get somewhere with weightlifting. It's just something I enjoy, and it's just generally makes me feel a little bit better. Actually, just last month, I started going to the gym and lifting weights with my mom, and it's been a very enriching experience for both of us, I think, because, again, being up in the suburbs, just kind of away from like this community that we're talking about right here, I have to drive down here on the weekends, and throughout the week, I'm just kind of working 
up there. And before I was, you know, diagnosed and had uh, medication to help me, getting up in the morning and lifting weights was like, that was the spark that got me going in the morning. My mom and I got up at like, what, like 5 a.m. sharp and just like, we're like, oh, but we got to go because it's really going to help us throughout the day. And it did. James, thank you for coming all the way out here and talking with me about your song, When September Comes, telling me about how it was written the music scene here in Champaign-Urbana, and also your favorite non-musical things. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. This was just a wonderful experience. So I can't thank you enough for uh, giving me the opportunity to come out here and just talk about some stuff. That's what I love to do. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Apollo K reminding you, great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) South Beaker on the inside. What? Like my brain does not think Sunkissed tastes worse than Orange Crush? But it also just doesn't do for me what Orange Crush does.